Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs, hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc., featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local and like to join in on our discussion today, we'd love to hear from you. You need to dial 702-650-5588. Again, that number for locals is 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 1-800-366-8883. Again, 1-800-366-8883. We are being streamed live from KKVV's website, which is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just waved to you. We're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. And our web address is savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, we really encourage you to visit. Again, www.savethelostlv.org. Look for our weekly radio archive tab just click onto it all our previous broadcasts will come up we have years of previous broadcasts enjoy spend time the gospel is always free on our watch and we hope that you encourage someone to listen with you we have a lot of resources there the majority of them are free please engage and tell others if you have a apple device we are also archive for free on iTunes. So again, the gospel is still free on our watch. If you have a cell phone, and most of us do, I encourage you to take down this number. You can listen to KKVV anytime you want to on 1060 AM or 100.1 FM, which are the dials on AM and FM, but you can listen to KKVV right now via your cell. You can also listen to Save the Lost at All Costs right now. So let me give you that number and give it to you twice. It only works in the United States and I strongly encourage you that you make it one of your phone contacts. And that number is 605-313-0630. Again, 605-313-0630. So we're going to get into our topic today. Uh, it's something um, that is good to go over all the time. So our topic today is judging. We will be talking about judging. So I received uh, something recently that talked about a person that a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, that would be a person by the name of Benny Hinn. So something happened recently with uh, Benny Hinn. I'm going to pull up the article. I'd like to share it with you, and then uh, we can go from there. And again, we will be talking about judging. So this came from 
a reliable Christian source. It's the ChristianPost.com. And basically it says, Benny Hinn renounces prosperity gospel, says the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. So I want to give you some excerpts of that article. And then again, we're going to talk about judging. So this appeared in the Christian Post on Wednesday, September the 4th. And this is what it says. Quote, Declaring that the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it, controversial televangelist Benny Hinn, formerly one of the most aggressive proponents of the prosperity, uh, they wanted me to uh, accept uh, to get emails, so I apologize. You know, you get these pop-ups, so I had to close it down. So let me continue. Formerly one of the most aggressive proponents of the prosperity gospel, has, for the first time in his career, delivered a full-throated rejection of the practice that made him and his family millions. The prosperity gospel teaches, among other things, that believers have a right to the blessings of health and wealth, and they can obtain these blessings through positive confessions of faith and the sowing of seeds through the faithful payments of tithes and offerings. Speaking to his followers during a Facebook Live broadcast on Monday night, which was first highlighted by Larry Reed Live, Hen, who has long been a lightning rod for criticism for his support of the theology, declared the gospel is not for sale. He says, I'm sorry to say that prosperity has gone a little crazy and I'm correcting my own theology and you need to all know it. Because when I read the Bible now, I don't see the Bible in the same eyes I saw 20 years ago, Hen said as his followers rejoiced. I think it's an offense to the Lord. It's an offense to say, give $1,000. I think it's an offense to the Holy Ghost to place a price on the gospel. I'm done with it. I will never again ask you to give $1,000 or whatever amount because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. Did you hear me? Hen asked as his audience responded affirmatively in high spirits. I think it hurts the gospel. So I'm making this statement for the first time in my life and frankly, I don't care what people think about me anymore. He continued, quote, when they invite me to telethons, I think they will not like me anymore because when you look at the word of God, if I hear one more time, break the back of debt with a thousand dollars, I'm going to rebuke them. I think that's buying the gospel. That's buying the blessing. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. If you are not giving because you love Jesus, don't bother giving. <clears throat> Give him argue. I think giving has become such a gimmick, it makes me sick to my stomach. Hen's outright rejection of the prosperity gospel comes just two months after his nephew, Costi Hen, revealed in his new book, God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel, how the truth overwhelms a life built on lies. How his family exploited millions around the world with the prosperity gospel and often traded so-called miracles for monies. Giving to God was the secret to unlocking your dreams, Costi Hen wrote. 
It was the secret to job promotions. It was access to our divine bank account. My uncle often told the story of how he got out of debt using this system of belief. His father-in-law had told him that in order to be debt-free, he needed to pay God. uh, Benny explained that once he started emptying his bank account and giving money away to ministry, money started showing up from everywhere. In 2018, Hen admitted that as he has grown older and has come to understand the Bible more, he realized that some of the things he learned from preachers when he was growing up aren't biblical, including the prosperity gospel. The more you know the Bible, the more you become biblically based and more balanced in your opinions and your thoughts because we are influenced, Hen said. When I was younger, I was influenced by the preachers who taught whatever they taught. But as I lived longer, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know this doesn't fit totally with the Bible. And it doesn't fit with the reality. So what is prosperity? No lack. I've said this before, Hen said. He then elaborated on how he believes no lack should be interpreted. Did Elijah the prophet have a car? No. Did not even have a bike, sickle. He had no lack. Did Jesus drive a car or live in a mansion? No, he had no lack. How about the apostles? None lacking among them, Hen said. Today the ideal is abundance and palatial homes and cars and bank accounts. The focus is wrong. It's so wrong. He said even though he had been accused of living lavishly and flying private jets in the past, that is not how he currently lives. I mean, forgive me. People have accused me of things that aren't even real. One guy wrote a comment. Oh, he's worth $40 million. Oh, how I wish. I would give it all to the kingdom before God Almighty, he said. Well, he flies private jets. He continued mimicking criticism. No, I don't. I have not flown private in dear God years. I fly commercial just like everybody else. End the quote. So that is the end of the article. So again, our topic for today is judging. So I want to go to uh, some scriptures that address that. So I think the first one I'm going to go to is Romans. And I am going to go to Romans chapter 14. And I got a lot of comments, you know, naturally. uh, Some people said, well, why doesn't he give the money back that he got if he's uh, really turned over a new leaf from all the people that uh, he received money from? And some uh, people were uh, happy that um, Benny Hinn was no longer going to uh, be a part of the prosperity gospel and he was going to renounce it. And if any of those who he had once uh, been uh, partnered with in that prosperity, excuse me, prosperity gospel who were still preaching that he was going to call them out and he was going to uh, rebuke them so uh, a lot of people said well it takes one to to know one and he doesn't want to be a part of that so they uh, said let's give brother uh, Benny a chance though there there are a lot of uh, feelings if you will so that's why we're talking about judging today 
So let's go to, uh, and we should concern ourselves with what the, the Lord is saying. We should concern ourselves with the word of God. That's what we should concern ourselves with. This is how we should approach it because this is pleasing to God. This is what God has instructed us to do. And we will be lining up with the will of God. It's important to line up with the will of God. And he always makes his word plain to us. So I am in Romans 14 and I want to look at verse 4. And I'm in the New King James Version and the Word of God says this, verse 4. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. That's pretty straightforward. So uh, let's go over to Matthew and we're going to look at chapter 7 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And this is Jesus speaking because I have the red letter edition and the word of God says this, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Two, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Verse 3, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. 5, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. So the commentary here uh, is um, very rich, and I'd like to share it with you. It says, Jesus tells us to examine our own motives and conduct instead of judging others. Excuse me, let me say that again. Jesus tells us to examine our own motives and conduct instead of judging others. The traits that bother us in others are often the habits we have ourselves. Our bad habits and behavior patterns are the very ones that we most want to change in others. Do you find it easy to magnify others' faults while excusing your own? If you are ready to criticize someone, check to see if you deserve the same criticism. Judge yourself first and then lovingly forgive and help your neighbor. Jesus' statement, judge not, is against the kind of hypocritical, judgmental attitude that tears others down in order to build oneself up. It is not a blanket statement to overlook wrong behavior of others but a call to be discerning rather than negative. Jesus said to expose false prophets, we can find that in Matthew 7, verses 15 to 23, and Paul taught we should exercise church discipline, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and trust God to be the final judge. That would be 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 5, and we'll visit those verses today. Uh, in chapter, excuse me, verse 6 of uh, Matthew chapter 7, is the swines were unclean animals according to God's law. 
And we did that last week when we went over Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 8. Anyone who touches an unclean animal becomes ceremonially unclean and could not go to the temple to worship unless the uncleanness was removed. Jesus says that we should not entrust holy teachings to unholy or unclean people. It is futile to try to teach holy concepts to people who do not want to listen and will only tear apart what we say. We should not stop giving God's word to unbelievers, but we should be wise and discerning in our witnessing so that we will not be wasting our time. So we uh, see that we're not supposed to judge. And especially when we have a spirit that needs to be addressed in our own lives. We need to make sure that we are doing self-reflection, making sure that, you know, we are as we should be. Because, you know, when we are not operating as we should, that standard of judging and being hypocritical and just having no empathy, no compassion, it will show up in our lives. And it would be that we would be giving it to ourselves. And I think that's not what you really want. That's not how you want to end up. So I also want us to look at Luke. So let's go to Luke. If you're just now joining us, we're talking about judging. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 6. And some of you aren't familiar with these scriptures and some of you aren't. But review and preview are excellent because it definitely has the word view in both of them. Whether it's a preview, you're just now seeing it, or a review, you're going over it. It's still making sure that we concentrate on the view that is of God. Amen? So we're going to go to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 31, and we're going to go down to verse 42. So the word of God says this, verse 31, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Verse 32, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 33, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. 34. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. 35. But love your enemies to do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. 36. Therefore be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. Verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 39. And he spoke a parable to them. 
Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. 41. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but you do not perceive the plank in your own eye? 42. Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. So I'd like to share some commentary with you in reference to the scriptures that we have read to um, really give us some illumination. So uh, let me... Find the commentary that lines up. The Jews despised the Romans because they oppressed God's people. But Jesus told the people to love these enemies. Such words turned many away from Christ. Jesus wasn't talking about having an affection for enemies. He was talking about an act of the will. You cannot fall into this kind of love. It takes conscious effort. Loving our enemies means acting in their best interest. We can pray for them. We can think of ways to help them. Jesus loves the whole world, even though the world is in rebellion against God. Jesus asked us to follow his example by loving our enemies. Grant your enemies the same respect and rights as you desire as yourself. A forgiving spirit demonstrates that a person has received God's forgiveness. Jesus used the picture of measuring grain in a basket to ensure the full amount. If we are critical rather than compassionate, we will also receive criticism. If we treat others Generously, graciously, and compassionately, however, these qualities will come back to us in full measure. We are to love others, not judge them. Make sure you're following the right teachers and leaders, because you will go no further than they do. Look for leaders who will show you more about faith and whose guidance you can trust. I'm going to read that again. Make sure you're following the right teachers and leaders because you will go no further than they do. Look for leaders who will show you more about faith and whose guidance you can trust. Jesus does not mean we should ignore wrongdoing, but we should not be so worried about other sins that we overlook our own. We often rationalize our sins by pointing out the same mistakes in others. What kinds of specks in others' eyes are the easiest for you to criticize? Remember your own planks when you feel like criticizing, and you may find that you have less to say. We should not be so afraid of the label hypocrite. That will stand still in our Christian life. Hiding our faith and making no attempts to grow. 
A person who tries to do right but often fails is not a hypocrite. Neither are those who fulfill their duty even when they don't feel like doing it. Often it is necessary and good to set aside our desires in order to do what needs to be done. It is not hypocrisy to be weak in faith. A hypocrite is a person who only puts on religious behavior in order to gain attention, approval, or admiration from others. Wow. It's pretty powerful and eye-opening. Definitely illuminating. And I'm grateful for that. We're going to go over to the Gospel of John. And we're going to go to John chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Again, I'm in the New King James Version, and our topic today is judging. So we're in John, the Gospel, chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. And starting off with verse 1, the Word of God says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse 2, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Verse 3, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, verse 4, they said to him, Teacher, This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Verse 6. Then they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Seven. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Verse 8. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. We're going to go a little bit further. Verse 9. Then they who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? 11. She said not, excuse me, verse 11. She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Wow. What a wonderful example of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. He did not question the woman. She was brought in and had already been accused, judged, and they were ready to stone her. She wasn't able to speak. Matter of fact, the accuser said, we caught her in the act. And you notice, they called him teacher. He was known as rabbi. And it's always capitalized. The T 
and teacher or the R in rabbi. There was none like him. They knew that he was from God. He was great in his teaching. So, but they had a motive where they wanted to trick him. They wanted him to be the one to be like them. And no, we have a choice, men and women of God. We don't have to be like people that have an agenda when it comes to accusing people and wanting people to see something harsh come upon another person. No, we have a choice. And Jesus didn't even look at him. He was still teaching, doing what he was doing. And then when they kept persisting, he asked them a question. And the question was, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And it might appear to have been a question, but there's no question mark. But the reason why I said a question, because they had to question themselves. It calls for self-examination. And then soon, they became convicted in their own conscience, in their own mind, in their own heart. And they went out one by one beginning with the oldest and even to the last, the youngest. They had to drop the stone that they were ready to use to render judgment and kill this woman. And she never spoke up. She received God's grace and mercy. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ needs us to get this. Said, he asked her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And, and, and let's look at, you know, the, the final verse that we looked at, 11. And, and one of the things that's prolific here, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's a, a beautiful gift. That we have available to us to walk in repentance, to turn from that thing that is keeping us separated. She didn't deny what had she been accused of. 
but it's what we do afterwards when we acknowledge that that we have done that could have kept us separated from the Lord and Almighty God and the kingdom then we would have been living our lives in vain. Salvation is such a beautiful gift, but we had nothing to do with salvation. But we can be the recipients of the gift. Remember, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, precious blood was shed for the remission of our sins, all of our sins, and the sins of all those in the whole world. He did that for everyone, believers and unbelievers. Those big and small. So we ought to seriously consider our next move. And our next move should be our best move. Because when something happens, as it did with Brother Hen. We have to be able to look at ourselves and see where we are in the scheme of things. Are we quick to condemn and gotcha and told you so and he's going to a place that we can't send anyone because we didn't create anyone. And we're not Designed to judge another man's servant. That's not why we were created. That's not why we're here. Almighty God. Has given that to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He will be the one judging because he's the one that saved It was his blood that was shed. We did not die for anyone. Our blood has not been shed for anyone for salvation purposes. Our blood is not suitable. We can't do it. But we can decide how we are going to operate in judging. The Lord has given us example after example not to do it. However, we can point out behavior that is not becoming of those who are operating as believers. So let's look at some of that. We're going to go over to the book of Corinthians and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to go to chapter 5 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And the word of God says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexually immorality Excuse me, let me back that up. 
verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Verse 2, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Three, for I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. For in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, Along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, five, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Six, your glorifying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Verse seven, therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Eight, therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the leaven of bread of sincerity and truth. So let's look at our commentary and see what it says about uh, these verses. And I was in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. And it says here, The church must discipline flagrant sin among its members. Such sins left unchecked can polarize and paralyze a church. The correction, however, should never be vengeful. Instead, it should be given to help bring about a cure. The Corinthian believers had refused to deal with a specific sin in the church. A man was having an affair with his mother or stepmother. The church was ignoring the situation and Paul was saying that it had a responsibility to maintain the standards of morality found in God's commandments. God tells us not to judge others, but he also tells us not to tolerate flagrant sin because allowing such sin to go undisciplined will have a dangerous effect on other believers. To deliver such a one to Satan means to exclude him from the fellowship of believers. Without the spiritual support of Christians, this man would be left alone with his sin and Satan, and perhaps this would drive him to repentance. For the destruction of the flesh states the hope that the experience would bring him to God to destroy his sinful nature through his turning from sin. Sinful nature could mean his body or flesh. This alternative translation would imply that Satan would inflict him physically and thus bring him to God. Putting someone out of the church should be a last resort and disciplinary action. It should not be done out of vengeance, but out of love. Just as parents punish children to correct and restore them, the church's role should be to help, not hurt. Offenders motivating them to repent of their sins and return to the fellowship of the church. Paul was writing to those who wanted to ignore this church problem. 
They didn't realize that allowing public sin to exist in the church affects all its members. Paul does not expect anyone to be sinless. All believers struggle with sin daily. Instead, he is speaking against those who deliberately sin, feel no guilt, and refuse to repent. This kind of sin cannot be tolerated in the church because it affects others. We have a responsibility to other believers. Blatant sins left uncorrected, confuse, and divide the congregation. While believers should encourage prayer, excuse me, while believers should encourage pray for and build up one another, they must also be intolerant of sin that jeopardizes the spiritual health of the church. The Hebrews prepared for the exodus from slavery in Egypt. They were commanded to prepare bread without yeast because they didn't have time to wait for it to rise. And because yeast also was a symbol of sin, they were commanded to sweep all of it out of the house. Christ is our Passover lamb, the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Because he has delivered us from the slavery of sin. We should have nothing to do with sins of the past. Old leaven. It's wonderful. We are now going to move over to the book of James. And we are going to go to chapter 4. And we're going to look at a couple of verses. Okay, so we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go down to verse 12. So again, we're in James chapter 4, we're going to go start in verse 1, and go down to verse 12. The Word of God says this, verse 1, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members too? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Three, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Four, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 5. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Lee, 6. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 9. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. 11. Do not speak evil 
of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Therefore, is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Hmm. So, let's look at some commentary. And make sure that we are getting everything we need to get out of this precious word of God. It says, quarrels and fights among believers are always harmful. James explains that these conflicts result from evil desires battling within us. We want more possessions, more money, higher status, more recognition. When we don't get what we want, we fight in order to have it. Instead of aggressively grabbing what we want, we should submit ourselves to God. Ask God to help us get rid of our selfish desires and trust Him to give us what we really need. James mentions the most common problems in prayer, not asking, asking for the wrong things, or asking for the wrong reasons. Do you talk to God at all? When you do, what do you talk about? Do you ask only to satisfy your desires? Do you seek God's approval for what you already plan to do? Your prayers will become powerful when you allow God to change your desires so that they perfectly correspond to his will for you. There's nothing wrong with wanting a pleasurable life. God gives us good gifts and he wants us to enjoy but having friendship with the world involves seeking pleasure at others' expense or the expense of obeying God. Pleasures that keep us from pleasing God is sinful. Pleasures from God's riches, bounty, is good. The cure for evil desires is humility. Pride makes us self-centered and leads us to conclude that we deserve all we can see, touch, or imagine. It creates greedy appetites for far more than we need. We can be released from our self-centered desires by humbling ourselves before God, realizing that all we really need is His approval. When the Holy Spirit fills us, we see that this world's seducing, excuse me, we see this world's seductive attractions are only cheap substitutes for what God has to offer. The verse may, we're looking at verse 5, and let me read it again. It says, again, I'm in James chapter 4, so I'm reading verse 5, and the Word of God says this, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? 6. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. Okay, looking at verse 5, this verse may mean that because of our fallen nature, we have a tendency towards envy. James is not quoting a specific verse or passage. He is summing up a teaching of scripture. And we can go to Romans 6, 6 through 8 and Galatians 5, 17 through 21 for more of the human tendency towards envy and discontent. Although God and the devil are at war. We don't have to wait until the end to see who will win. God has already defeated Satan. 
And when Christ returns, the devil and all he stands for will be eliminated forever. Satan is here now. However, he is trying to win us over to his evil cause. While the Holy Spirit's power, we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. How can you come close to God? James gives five ways. Number one, he says, submit to God. Yield to his authority and will. Commit your life to him and his control and be willing to follow him. Two, resist the devil. Don't allow Satan to entice and tempt you. Three, cleanse your hands and purify your heart. That is, lead a pure life. Be cleansed from sin, replacing your desire to sin with your desire to experience God's purity. Four, lament and mourn and weep. Don't be afraid to express deep heartfelt sorrow for what you have done. Humble yourself, excuse me, five, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humbling ourselves before the Lord means recognizing that our worth comes from God alone. To be humble involves leaning on his power and his guidance and not going on our independent way. Although we do not deserve God's favor, he wants to lift us up and give us worth and dignity despite our human shortcomings. Jesus summarized the law as love for God and neighbor. He did that in Matthew 22 verses 37 through 40. And Paul said that love demonstrated towards a neighbor would fully satisfy the law. We find that in Romans chapter 13 verses 6 through 10. When we fail to love, we are actually breaking God's law. Examine your attitude and actions towards others. Do not build people up or tear them down. Do you do that? When you're ready to criticize someone, remember how God's law of love says something good instead. Saying something beneficial to others will cure you of finding fault and increase your ability to obey God's law of love. And if you're building someone up or tearing them down to satisfy your desires, that's a problem. You know, we should be able to compliment people without having an expectation. But there's sometimes people um, are out here trying to manipulate. And that is not of God. God does not need to manipulate anything. He's God all by himself. He's the creator of all living things. You know, heaven and earth included. What does he need to manipulate? So, we have to really start looking at ourselves. Because judging, as we can see with the scriptures that the Holy Spirit has asked me to present to you, we can see a lot has to do with us. Our attitudes our desires, our motives. We have to really, really take a pause and find out what it is that we are really struggling with because it keeps showing up in our lives. And it shows up a lot 
in how we criticize others, especially the brethren. You know, the scriptures that we talked about uh, today uh, have to do with being a believer and how we relate to other believers. You know, we looked at 1 Corinthians today. We looked at Romans. We looked at Matthew. We looked at Luke. We looked at John. We looked at James. This all relates to how we operate as children of the Most High God. And how can we just be so just heartless when it comes to the brethren? We have to ask ourselves, why are we making God's house so treacherous? We want to be able to invite others in. You know, our, our job is to, you know, bring God's people into His house. It's His house. We have to be mindful of that. That is His house. And nobody wants to go into a house where they don't take care of those that are in the house already. People can observe that. They can feel it. They can see it. They don't want to be crushed spiritually, emotionally. Physically or financially. So we have to be mindful of what it is that we are emulating. We can't be so quick to try to win people with a hammer. You can't hammer people to death. There's not going to be anything left. That's not how you win people to Christ, by hammering them. That's not how we love and care for one another, by hammering one another. It's time to put the hammer down, folks. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ led by example. He says, when you have seen the Father, you have seen me. Grace, mercy. He always offered us forgiveness and the eternal gift, salvation. We have repentance. We have a lot of wonderful things going for us. But if we keep tearing each other down, what's going to be left? Satan is constantly building his army. He's constantly recruiting. He's constantly taking care of his. He's no match for God. It's not even close. He's a created being. But he has an assignment. Just like We have an assignment. And it should be reflective of who our Father is and where our home is. Heaven. 
those who observe us should be able to see the Holy Spirit operating in us. So I appreciate your time that you took to listen. I hope we blessed you tremendously with our lesson on judging today. Most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit field, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 100.1 FM. Also, you can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime via your cell phone. Please dial 605-313-0630. Again, that number is 605-313-0630. That number only works in the United States. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 3350. 5852 North Las Vegas 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852 North Las Vegas 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.